0: All right, today's Wagner Wednesday. Welcome back, listeners. Um, Colin, how was your
1: trip? It was awesome. Uh, for those of you listening, I went to Tennessee, went to the Bonnaroo, a music festival. I would say Tool, the old rock band, was probably the best performance. I mean, they just blew my mind away. Couldn't have been better, really. But uh, 21. Uh, no, 21 Savage. Listen, I just don't think rappers are that good performers, really, because they they lack. musical talent that those on instruments truly have um
0: they just jump across yeah they're
1: they're hype men. they just try and hype you up they say make some motherfucking noise a hundred times and they play their tracks in the background while they rap maybe five words to it um no i really appreciated like the real musical talent from there's a bluegrass group called billy strings i don't really listen to country at all but they were incredible i mean Talent, musical talent just oozed out of them. Five guys on string instruments. They were awesome. Tool was probably my favorite though.
0: Yeah, tool's good. I know Billy Strings. Yeah,
1: it's a good band, good group. Yeah. So today, without further ado, we're going to talk about some mid-range running back targets. Um, that's if you opt to go with the zero running back strategy where you say fuck the running backs. I don't care who they are. I'm gonna load up on receivers, maybe tight ends, get an elite quarterback. And worry about running backs later in the middle rounds. So we're here to provide those those targets outside of the top two rounds that you should probably um, opt
0: for. Yeah. So if you're looking at the your back half of the of the draft, uh, first and second round, you can find a way to get. I don't know, Justin Jefferson and Stephon Diggs or Diggs and Jamar Chase, and you get two elite talents at receiver. Kelsey, or even Kelsey, Kelsey. Yeah. yeah. You're going to have to look in the later rounds for running backs that can offer you value. There are a lot of names there, but uh, potentially many are going to be busts, in my opinion, such as Antonio Gibson, for one. I'm an Antonio Gibson hater. So we're here to pick out the guys that we think we will uh, perform better than their ADP suggests they will. Yeah, and
1: I've like never done zero running back I've typically weaned towards taking at least one running back in the first two rounds. That way you have like a top 12 guy I've solidified. Um, so perhaps this is something we'll toy with more so in some mock drafts as we get closer to draft day. Um, but looking through the list and seeing where you can get guys, you can form some pretty solid yeah. running back duos, even after foregoing a, a top 12 running back.
0: If you do follow this strategy, you're going to have to target running back and go running back heavy over the next three or four rounds if you don't take one in rounds one or two. Because most likely the guys that you're picking from, A, they aren't going to see as much volume as the guys that go in round one and two, or B, they're injury prone. So you're really going to need a third, maybe a fourth guy to just solidify your running back group on your team. The hit
1: rate isn't very good in this dead zone. We'll do a wide receiver episode after this too but the the round three to like seven eight when you're filling out the rest of your lineup after getting your cornerstones the hit rate's not incredibly good so we're going to give our our picks as the guys who are going to hit and maybe include some names that you should probably avoid that impose the greatest risk so nick we so we each started with a round three guy that we would be very comfortable with As our RB1, who was yours, Nick?
0: I'm going to start off with Saquon Barkley. Um, Going as the RB13, 27 overall. Saquon has proved in the beginning of his career that he can be that number one, number two running back overall in fantasy football. Um, So the last two seasons, very injury prone. He played a little bit last year. He lacked production because of the injury history. Um, The team also just was terrible. They didn't utilize Saquon correctly. Um, now I think that with uh, Mike Kafka, the offense could it ha- has said that they're going to utilize Saquon the way he should be in the receiving game. So if he can get 70, 80 catches this year, I, which I think is com- definitely in the realm of possibility for Saquon, he's going to have an uber-productive year with a very high floor with the receptions. Um, a few years ago, we were talking about taking him one or two overall. But now since he's, been, yeah, <laughs> since he's been injured, he's back in round three, end of round two, beginning of round three. What? Why not the same uh, energy with Christian McCaffrey or Dalvin Cook? There, there's guys that have been, especially McCaffrey, injured for entire seasons, but still going top five. I don't understand it with Barkley. I think the talent is just up, is right there with McCaffrey, Cook, Henry, all the guys that are going in the first five picks. He's just a steal in the late uh, second, early third round. Um, this, the Giants have also upgraded their O-line in the offseason with Evan Neal, uh, seventh pick out of Alabama, um, Beast. Uh, also, Max Garcia and Joshua Ezudu, I think is how you pronounce that. There's another guy
1: in there, too. They have four new starters. Yeah, it's like
0: a Polish name. And it's with Ski. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: Glowinski, uh, Mark yeah. Glowinski yeah. from okay. Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, Saquon. So I, funny thing is I just finished the New York Giants projections, and Saquon, I'm pretty high on him. Um, him going at RB 13 kind of surprises me. I thought his ADP would be lower and I have a feeling towards draft day. It's going to remain stagnant in that 13 to 16 zone. I projected him to finish as RB 14 last year. So, um, I'm, I guess I'm modest on him, but I do see a monster year in store for him like I, I there's rumors that he's going to be utilized in the receiving game much more than the running game well you look at their running back depth and their backups Matt Breida who's got um, experience with Brian Dable the new head coach who was a former offensive coordinator at Buffalo and then I didn't even recognize the third string Gary Brightwell Um, that's the third string running back. So you look at their, yeah, you look at their running back room and you hear reports that Saquon is going to be utilized more so as a receiving back than a running back. Well, like there's not an alternative for him to forego much of the rushing production. And we have seen, I mean, his, his first year in the league, I think he had 91 catches on the year. Mm -hmm. And so we've seen him being able to handle that high receiving workload. He's really talented with the ball in his hands. I'm glad you mentioned Mike Kafka. Um, there's really not a better situation for Daniel Jones to progress into what we believed he was going to be after his rookie season than there is now. I mean, Brian Dable and Mike Kafka, that's a, that's a modern-day quarterback's dream duo yeah. of head coaches. Saquon, ultimately, bottom line, he's the most talented running back in the league. I'm still going to stick with it. And I can definitely see a top five season in store for him.
0: Yeah. And if you can stack up, say that happens, he finishes top five, even top 10. He's not supposed to go top 10, according to ADP. So if he finishes anywhere through there, you've got two elite wide receiver ones on your roster already with Saquon in the end of the beginning of the third round as your third pick. That's just an elite lineup already. I I really like the idea of Saquon
1: being my RB two. If he was my RB one, I definitely feel shaky, and I'd probably need to take another running back in the fourth round. Um, let me give you my my round three RB one guy, and that's James Connor. He's going four spots below Saquon. He's RB seventeen on the thirty first overall, according to my sources. Um, James Connor finished as RB five last year, and he had two games under eight points, and now he's discounted towards an RB seventeen. I I just don't get why he's being discounted. And, oh, need I remind you that Chase Edmonds is no longer there, and Edmonds was the primary receiving back with 149 touches on the year. They do bring in Darrell Williams, but that that role is going to remain either the same or tilt in the favor of James Conner, consuming a little bit of what Edmonds produced. Um, Bottom line is, James Conner, look, he had 15 rushing touchdowns inside the red zone, 18 total touchdowns
0: and he's due to regress but just by how much do you think um i think that the touchdowns are going to fall probably hopefully it's the 10 mark that's a really good number for a running back anywhere from 10 to 15 you're going to be satisfied um that still renders like rb top 15 consideration i'd be a little worried about james Conner's efficiency was I think 3.9 yards per carry on in front of yeah, you, but 3.7, 3.7, yeah. something around there. Wasn't That's, good. Yeah. Below the good. league average um, for starting running backs. But, but I want to refute that he
1: had over 40 carries inside the red zone. He's the primary yeah. red zone back. There's just not, much runway when we no, get I, the reds he, around and he was very good inside there he
0: had 15 all 15 rush touchdowns from there I'm all for Connor I think that he is going to be the feature back he's going to score a lot of touchdowns again I don't really care about the efficiency Leonard Fournette was terribly inefficient last year too so was uh Elijah Mitchell a guy we're going to talk about later a little less so than the other two for Mitchell but I was say, I thought yeah, he was hyper efficient. he was he was he was efficient in running but receiving was god-awful um James Conner, though, um,
1: he's got a safe floor, I feel like, especially as a mid-tier RB2. He's had 34-plus catches in every year as a starter, and 18 total touchdowns wasn't even his career high. I believe he had a 21-touchdown season in Pittsburgh when he was their primary back that one year. So, look, you're getting an RB2, a mid-range RB2, in the middle to back half of the third round. And he could easily be your RB1. He's produced two top six running back finishes in his career. Um, He's still relatively young. He's the feature back in a high-powered offense. A lot of good things going for James Conner. And I just don't get why he's discounted so much.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, I think the offense is going to be high-powered again hopefully kyle murray uh figures out how to finish a full season so
1: say we wait so say we go wide receiver wide receiver tight end or quarterback and we're sitting in round four and we still don't have a running back who's your target to handle that rb1 duty
0: so round four no running backs you have two receivers or whatever yep. you, you took three players that weren't running backs yep so depending on who's on the table, I'm really looking at J.K. Dobbins or Josh Jacobs, the next two guys that we have up, because most likely Saquon and James Conner are going to be long gone by then. Um, so, yeah, one of my guys, J.K. Dobbins. Um, he's going as the RB 20, 38th overall. Um, you can get him in the fourth round. Um, the Ravens offense, one of the most run heavy offenses in the league. Uh, very low ceiling for uh Dobbins, I think, because Gus Bus exists, he was a great running back. Uh, only had twenty less carries than Dobbins, I think, in twenty twenty. Um, he he won't receive a lot of um targets in the in the receiving game in this offense. It's not really what Lamar does. Hopefully, we see an increase there because of the Marquise Brown vacancy. But I really I've... don't.
1: I've heard that he's going to be more involved in the passing offense. Greg Roman, their offensive corner, there are reports
0: that he, JK will be unleashed in space. I hope so, because then it's you have the number one running back catching passes as well on one of the most run heavy offenses in the league. He only had 18 catches in 2020, which is the reason that I would be skeptical about that. But if that's the reports, then by all means, give him more passes because I yeah. would love J.K. Dobbins to have, I don't know, 45, 50 catches even. That's even to more a, than double. To yeah. a game, 30, you know, you get a yeah. safe
1: floor of four additional points a week
0: with two catches, 20 yards. It, it'd be probably throw him into that. Yeah, just a nice little buffer. Yeah. Um, nine touchdowns in 2020 as well, which was tied for 12th. So he was a top 12 running back based off uh, touchdowns. And um, I see that increasing as well in a more high-powered offense. Hopefully that he will, hopefully he will take more uh, work from Gus Edwards. Um, however, I don't know if that's going to happen. They're both coming off uh, injury. They both might be worked in, kind of used together because they don't want to risk re-injury with either of them. They're likely both going to start the year on the
1: pop list, um, yeah. but well, in training camp, anyways. But I believe John Harbaugh has come out and said that he expects both to be used early on in the season. So when you have a head coach, a stern head coach in Harbaugh, saying that, that gives me a glimmer of hope that both will be week one actives.
0: Yeah, also six yards per carry, something to note. He was uber efficient whenever he touched the ball. That would have been one of the highest in the league at the time. He rips through defenses.
1: Uh, He looks like when he's got the ball in his hands, he looks phenomenal. Gus Edwards is a bruiser there. He's 6'1", 240. Gus has less than 20 career catches and throughout his first three years, JK will be that receiving back. They really didn't do much to indicate that they're concerned over the health of Dobbins or Edwards. I mean, they signed Mike Davis as insurance and they drafted Tyler Beatty in the fifth round, but yeah, the the stars are aligning for JK to rebound and perhaps be a comeback player of the year candidate. Um, I was really bummed that he missed last year because I was looking forward to see how much he could progress. Immensely talented guy. I would be comfortable if he was my RB two if I had an elite RB one. Now if he's my RB one, I definitely have some work to do. Um, you got to
0: find the guys that we're gonna talk about later. Yeah, later
1: that, if that's what I'm doing, if I'm doing zero RB through the first three rounds, and JK as my RB one gives me that upside to get an RB one in the fourth round. Um, just understand that that floor is pretty low, barring a lot of ambiguity in this offense, the scheme, how the running backs will be used, and most importantly their health. My round four guy that I would be completely I'd be way more comfortable as my RB1 than JK Dobbins would be Josh Jacobs. Both are going right around the same ADP. Uh, I saw Josh Jacobs as the RB20 and the back half of the fourth round. Last year, he was an RB12 despite missing two games, and he had a career low, 217 carries. Um, he had 54 receptions last year, which is one more than his first two years combined. So that's something we saw that we didn't before from Josh Jacobs is that very safe receiving floor. He had the He's had the fifth most rushing touchdown since entering the league, seven plus every year. And why wouldn't he score more now that that offense is higher powered with Devontae Adams? Um, They're going to have way more opportunities to score. And the running back position is the main beneficiary. Jacobs is that guy when they get in the red zone. The only pitfall that a lot of people are making against Josh Jacobs, and perhaps this is why he's priced so low, um, considering he's finished as an RB1 each of the past two years, he's graded as a low-end RB2, is that, He's in a crowded running back room. They drafted Zamir White out of Georgia in the fourth round. They still have Kenyon Drake, the receiving veteran back. And now they signed Brandon Bolden, who's got ties with Josh McDaniels. Bolden's more of a special teamist. I don't even think he plays a snap on offense. And then they also signed Amir Abdullah, the guy that seems to float around on every team. Yeah, he's been I, everywhere. I mean, he's been on Detroit. I feel like he was on Carolina last year. He was on um, probably seven, Minnesota, probably seven other teams. Yep. Um, so that's the only concern I have with Josh Jacobs is just how crowded the the running back room is. But I think he's far and away like it, it's not even comparable the talent between him and the rest. I I feel like they're just depth pieces and he's
0: the main guy. Yeah, I definitely think he's going to be the main guy. Um, my concern with Jacobs, not that it's a big concern, because I also, you've convinced me over the past month or so to become a Jacobs supporter, and I think I am now. The offense is high-powered. Devontae Adams is going to open up the the secondary. Uh, it's going to have They're going to have to provide coverage for Devontae Adams and Darren Waller. Who's open underneath,
1: then? Josh, Hunter, Josh Jacobs okay. is, is scampering yeah. out the backfield, yeah. too. You make that argument for anybody in that offense. So
0: my one concern with him is the injury history. It feels like he never plays a full season, and every year it's his foot. Who does? Yeah, but like who does? Who does?
1: If he misses two games and still finishes as RB twelve, he's a win at the RB twenty spot. Um, I feel like I've talked about this before on our podcast but i feel like josh jacobs has that like stale name resonating through him his name's
0: josh jacobs it's just not a cool name <laughs>
1: <laughs> well that but also when he came into the league he he had high expectations drafted as a first round pick as a rookie um he didn't quite produce rb1 production his rookie year then the second year comes around and people just are still grading him high and he he turns out an RB, I think, 11 season, a low-end RB1, but people yeah. still aren't satisfi- satisfied because they want more than the, what they pay. He finished RB11 last year, is that what you said? Uh, two years, two ago, years ago. Last year, he finished as RB12. Okay, yeah. He's been solid as can be. He's one of, like, 10 players with 800-plus years. He's RB1 going wow. as
0: RB20. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So – Let's I can move on to my next guy. Let's
1: go to round five. Yeah, uh, you're five target.
0: My our first guy at around five years, Elijah Mitchell. He's running back 23 off the board, 49th overall. Um, I have a note here. He is my baby and he always will be. Um, I think I'm going to end up with him in almost every draft this season. You should get a shirt for him. Yeah, I should. I should just get a jersey an Elijah Mitchell jersey. Um he, there's finally a lead back in san francisco every year you look at san francisco and you're like oh maybe i want Mostert or wilson or last year it was sermon before the draft you never really knew who was going to take over the backfield i think last year finally we had an emergence it's elijah mitchell's backfield now um i pray to god that kyle shanahan doesn't pull some bullshit
1: and have like jeff wilson as or sermon group. gets 20 carries yeah. in week one like yeah
0: I could see it happening, of course. I get
1: very upset.
0: Yeah, no, Elijah Mitchell's the guy here. 963 yards in 11 games, about 90 yards a game. That's tough to uh, beat. 4.7 yards per carry. I never even realized that. That's elite. (laughs) They're insane numbers, what he did in his rookie year. And I don't see him regressing. I see him improving. Um, They have a good offensive line in San Francisco. great. They have a great offensive line in San Francisco, yeah. Well, I think technically that philadelphia is the best or dallas yeah actually dallas lost two starters i don't know elite yeah um limited catches but 7.2 yards per catch which are efficient numbers um he only had i think it was oh i don't have it i think 24 20 to 24 catches somewhere in that range last year um numbers aren't great really want them to improve but 963 yards in 11 games that's just absurd that's what you want from a guy you can get in the fifth round if you're already two or three yeah How many more touches? So Debo
1: Samuel ran the ball 59 times last year. He's disgruntled about his workload and the rushing Mm -hmm. aspect. He doesn't want that. How many more rushes do you see
0: Elijah Mitchell totaling out of that 59? I think that if if they do cut down on Debo's uh, touches from the backfield, Elijah Mitchell is just going to get more of those. Like if they're in running situations, they want to run the ball. Debo doesn't want to. All right, we'll give it to our RB1. I think he takes – all of those pretty much take, take 45
1: rushes away from Debo last year. Say they only give him the ball once a game. Um, if Elijah Mitchell gets, he's got 30 of those, that's still two more touches point more per game. You're getting yeah, right there. At least. He's a
0: 1100 yard running back then in 11 games, if he gets those touches from Debo yep. Samuel, which is exactly what you want. Um, he wasn't big, great in the red zone last year. They seemed to give it to Debo to run in the red zone, which was not really surprising when you saw what Debo could do out of the backfield, but. Breakthrough through anything. Yeah. I don't see that happening again with the uh, issues that Debo's had with the running game uh, over the off season. So yeah, I think we'll see a spike in touchdowns, spike in touches, spike in yards. Um, essentially a rookie quarterback too with Trey Lance who has, in his three performances last year, he was, he was good in one and then not so good in the other two, maybe like middle of the pack quarterback uh, during one of those games. One was bad. One was great. Um, So I think that we may see more running from this offense, which is traditionally what is known as a run heavy offense. Um, And Elijah Mitchell is going to be the beneficiary of that.
1: Yeah. So my mind's like, stirring as we're going through these names and i'm thinking just like if i were to take travis kelsey in the first round and stefan diggs right around the wraparound and say i get um mike evans you know late of the third and i have no running backs would i be comfortable with josh jacobs and elijah mitchell being my starting rb duo or jk dobbins and elijah mitchell and it's really intriguing to me and perhaps i just have to do a 100 mock drafts with it because this is very appealing because these are good talented running backs that are top 24 running backs still available in the fourth and fifth rounds um so yeah i'm definitely going to dabble with it
0: that's the luxury of it you have you're set at wide receiver. You're never going to take those guys out of the, out of your lineup, even if they're – I wouldn't even take Cooper Cup out if he tore his ACL He'd stay in my <laughs> wide receiver one spot. But, yeah, if you have two of those guys locked, loaded, you don't need – I mean, you, you do need another receiver eventually. But say you have a tight end as well. You have a top tight end, Andrews or Kelsey. You can take – with your next four picks, you can take three running backs and feel safe doing so right. because you're already set at the other skill positions in your lineup. Um, yeah, I wouldn't, um, yeah, I wouldn't be too worried about going running back, running back, running back in rounds four five and six, or if that's what you're left to do. So there are options and round six, so you, Elijah Mitchell is going
1: around, round five and it comes down to round six. You still need your RB two. My guy would be Miles Sanders. He's going as an RB 28, 67th overall. He's a great running back. He finished as RB 44 last year with zero touchdowns. He scored six touchdowns each of the first two seasons of his career. If you give him six touchdowns last year, he is RB24. he He's been He's one of nine running backs with 750-plus yards in each of the past three years. Um, I just think the big knack on him is that he scored nothing last, last year. year. Yeah. And he's still an elite running back. He's averaged 5.1 yards per carry throughout his career, averaged 5.5 yards per carry last year. Last year, 8% of his rushes went for 15-plus yards. Um, That's fifth best in the league. He's great at ripping off good gains. The problem is, in Philadelphia, you have Jalen Hurts that steals a bunch of red zone touchdowns from the running back position, and then you also split time with Boston Scott, Kenneth Gainwell. But I think he's by far and away the best back and the most run-heavy offense, and I would really like that.
0: Yeah, are you at all worried about – there's two things, two things to think about, concerns to think about when talking about Miles Sanders. Um, The addition of A.J. Brown, the Eagles have supposedly wanted to go a little more pass-heavy this season with that addition. It doesn't alter their identity. They're still a very
1: run-heavy offense. Just because they have an elite wide receiver in A.J. Brown does not mean that they're going to all of a sudden – change Try their change their entire offensive identity. they they might throw it more. I think it tilts it a couple more passing attempts, but you could def-
0: could still lead them as the yeah number one running offense.
1: They, they ran play. it the most yeah. last year. They can still run it the most next year, even with AJ Brown.
0: Um other thing is there have been reports out of Philadelphia about Kenneth Gainwell and how they want to involve him more as they've somehow now realize that he's a good running back.
1: I think Miles Sanders is the best talent. I mean, perhaps I'm biased since I'm a Penn State fan, but I'm a pretty um, objectively viewing college football fan as a whole. And Miles Sanders was an elite running back in college. Um, You could see the talent oozing out of him as a return man when Saquon was shadowing him. He had one year as a starter. He was over 1,000 yards, um, warranted him a high enough draft position to get drafted by the eagles in day two I, ju- I just think he's far and away the most talented back and the most run heavy offense yeah i really like that as my rb2
0: no i agree well where you could get him he could be your rb3 if you're yeah going running back running back running back rb4 if five you and six. really want to yeah. stack him up um so let me move on to my next guy uh kareem hunt round seven pick rb29 overall overall 79th off the board um Last season, he was on pace for 200 touches with Nick Chubb in the backfield with him as an RB2, essentially, uh, supposedly RB2. Um, More receptions. I have a couple stats from a previous podcast that we talked about because I thought they are really good to support Kareem Hunt. Um, More receptions through eight games than Chubb did in 14 games, which is insanely promising. Um, It's what he does. He's a receiving back. And if Deshaun Watson is able to – oh, by the way, a little note on Deshaun Watson this morning, 20 – of the 24 cases have been settled
1: yeah Yeah, um that's definitely concerning like there's still four there's still four but 20 are settled is the big thing i i don't even know i don't i don't even i don't want to comment on it until it's just done his suspensions given but if you still have four like serious allegations Mm -hmm. against you i feel like you're going to be off the field for at least half the season.
0: And um, he probably should be. Um, I think
1: Kareem Hunt's the most um, insensitive to his absence, though, just because his role is irreplaceable. He's uh, he's a 1B and a run-back duo out of the backfield, and he's the receiving back. Yeah. And I feel like even if Jacoby Brissett is in there... I think that he might dump he, it down yeah, more yeah, with exactly. Jacoby Brissett. Should yeah. your QB play closer to the line of scrimmage. I think Kareem Hunt is very insensitive in his value when pertaining to Watson
0: yeah I agree but I think with Watson it could yeah, it's be great. higher yeah it's higher powered offense yeah. you can't argue but um 12.7 13.7 and 13.8 points per game in the last three years with the Browns those are great numbers as a RB2 technically on your team um in 2020 he finished a spot ahead of Chubb he finished 10th Chubb finished 11th um and if you're getting him in the seventh round you're getting quite possibly an RB1. He was on pace to be an RB1 last season before the injuries. Um, if you can find an RB1 in round seven, you win the draft. So I think that Kareem Hunt is someone to target for, for everyone, no matter what your plan is. I'd, reach, draft. For him. I'd yeah. reach for him if I'm sitting on the clock. And is the RB1's a injury prone guy too. So he goes down yeah. and you get Kareem Hunt it's a great value laborers. I would contemplate
1: Hunt over Sanders just for receiving security. Um, also not having to deal with Philadelphia's backfield bullshit. I'd I'd very much contemplate Kareem Hunt over Miles Sanders as my RB2. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna give the one of the adjacent running backs right after Kareem Hunt, and that is Tony Pollard. He's coming off the board in round seven. RB32, 85th overall um look he had six games as an rb2 or better last year and that's with zeke playing in 17 games he also finished as an rb28 with zeke playing all 17 games if zeke goes out tony pollard's a top five maybe even top three running back yeah um, he's really good last year he had the third highest breakaway run rate which is that 50 how many of their um rushes go for 15 plus yards and that was at 8.5% of his carries were ripped off for 15-plus yards. He would tear defenses apart. He passes the eye test. Um, last year he had 39 receptions, and only, he only scored two total touchdowns. So there's a very solid foundation from efficiency and those receiving touches. Um, he averaged six yards per carry. There's a lot to like for Tony Pollard as a player – And one thing that I've been looking at at Tony Pollard and I've seen nobody else talk about him um, is that he's entering this last year of his rookie contract. I feel like Dallas is going to want to pack it on, pour it on, because next year he's not going to be affordable, especially since they're stuck with that god-awful Zeke Elliott contract. I feel like this is a year that if they're going to work Tony Pollard into the ground and give him 225-plus touches, It's this year. Um, I can definitely see him finishing as a top 25 running back. I mean, he nearly did it last year. That's with Zeke playing a full 17 games. Now, just imagine if Zeke's sidelined for a couple weeks. Tony's definitely going to be great trade
0: value around that. He even takes uh, kick returns to the house, too. He did that last year. So, (laughs) just another chance for him to score points for you. Yep. Um, Also, with the Amari Cooper, Cooper Cooper Cooper. accent, absence, geez. I think we'll see more targets falling towards Tony Pollard. Uh Zeke is a receiving back in his own way. He's they both are they, they're both they both catch passes out of the backfield. So I wouldn't expect like Zeke to be the guy to run it on um, downs one and two, and then Tony Pollard to catch it. I think we might see tries. I think as
1: a duo, they're gonna be leaned on heavier without Amari Cooper or Michael Jobs. Yeah, they'll both get a little more it's, work. It's only good news for both of them. Yeah. You know. Um, so now we're looking at it. I take. Justin I have the 108 I take Justin Jefferson for some reason he falls in my lap and then right around the turnaround I reach for Mark Andrews just because I felt like oh I think he's going to be the top tight end again I'm sitting in round three contemplating my RB1 I have Saquon Barkley or James Conner as my options both two great options that are likely top 15 um, and certainly have the upside to finish as top five running backs Those are the two guys that you should target in round three if you're looking for a really strong RB2 or your RB1. You fall into round four, you still don't have a a running back, say we opt for Mike Evans in the third round instead. Josh Jacobs is my guy. I think he's the safest RB2 you can get this year for what he's worth. Um, I, I still think he's an RB1, even though he's priced as a lower end RB2. J.K. Dobbins is a guy that I would take if I would need more risk. Say I have three really consistent guys. Mm-hmm. Keenan Allen's one of them. Uh, Travis Kelsey's another. Just three guys that don't have a whole lot of volatility. I think J.K. is my guy there in
0: round four. As your RB1. I,
1: I would consider it just because he has that upside. Um, he he mm-hmm. chunks off plays. If he's involved in the passing game more, he's an elite running back. Um, and then we have Elijah Mitchell, Miles Sanders, Tony Pollard, Kareem Hunt, all four guys that if they're my RB two, I'm, I'm going to bed. Okay. Like yeah. it's not keeping me up at night. Um, especially since I would have really strong flex pieces otherwise than the running back position and maybe a, a stud quarterback. Those are eight guys. I feel like that from round three to seven in that quote unquote dead zone, um, I feel comfortable with hitting this year.
0: I wouldn't feel uncomfortable starting any of them and really any given week. Um, I think that you can find great value through guys like Saquon, who's going in the third round or Kareem or Tony Pollard, who are going in the seventh round there. They could all end up RB one, RB two finishes. So definitely stealing those guys as as my RB three. Yeah. If Kareem hunts my RB four,
1: I definitely want running back heavy on top and i Likely don't have to draft another running back for the rest of the draft. Yeah.
0: Reach for receivers there. That's zero running back.
1: Um, those are our mid-range running back targets. I feel like these are these are the first two rounds aren't the rounds that win you your league. These are the ones because yeah. the hit rates, you know, 50-50 with guys, and it, it really separates those who have a draft plan and know what they're doing, and guys who are just drafting names out there.
0: I agree. Yep. You got to be prepared. You have to have a full plan for all 15, 16 rounds, however long your drafts are. But yeah, definitely come in with a plan. Zero running back. There's our strategy for it. And I think that's it. We're going to talk about um, our mid-range wide receiver targets in our next podcast. So make sure you tune into that.
1: Yep. Follow us on TikTok and Twitter at Wagening Fantasy. Give us a visit on our website at www.wageningfantasy.com. Subscribe to our newsletter. It's very free. And there's a ton of good information in it. It's going to uh, curtail towards the managing aspect behind fantasy. And then it'll profile some intriguing player profiles or player comparisons as well. Um, We're partnered with Ryan Larson from Fantasy for the People up in New York. And yeah, happy Wagney Wednesday, folks.